How about it, y'all? You got the Lake Seminole Ramblings Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. Thanks for listening. In today's episode, we will discuss the current fishing report with former Redman pro angler and guide, Randy Weaver, discuss the Georgia Bass Nation Championship, talk about Donaldsonville's visiting dinosaur, bowfin, the fish misunderstood, and lastly, we will recap the Gambler Lures Tournament. Remember to listen for the secret word during this episode for a chance to enter the Lake Seminole Outdoors $25 gift card giveaway. Oh, by the way, we're now on Instagram at Lake Seminole Ramblings. Head over there and give us a follow. And now, let's get on with the show. All right, water condition report. We had an influx of rainwater on Tuesday. That brought the lake up to full pool. Y'all remember that uh, both the Flint and the Chattahoochee Rivers, they carry every drop of rainwater from the state and empty it into our lake. So that filled it back up and drop, they dropped it back down to uh, 76.5, which is a foot under full pool. Flint River stain, 84.86. Those are your afternoon temps. Spring Creek has a stain on it now. Good time to fish it, 85.87. Fish Pond Drain is clear in some areas. Slight stain in others, 87 to 88. Chattahoochee River stained, 84.86. All right, let's bring on Randy Weaver and uh, see what he's been seeing out there this week. What's up, Randy? Have you seen the little shad up in the ditches? I have, yeah, and I've seen. Man, there's a ton of them. Yeah, they, they're. I've seen a bunch of them feeding on. I think this is the shrimp they're feeding on or something. But have you seen the skipjack feeding on? I hadn't seen that yet. Looks like schooling going on, but it'll be all skipjack schooling on. Yeah, the um, the bass are. They're eating those little shad, but I just ain't got anything that small. Is that um, fry from the shad spawn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm talking about three and a half pounders are sitting in those ditches, and they're eating them. But if it ain't a school of those little guys and it don't smell like them, he ain't going to react. Mm-hmm. He's just going to sit down. Yeah. You can throw a big top water plug all day long when they're doing that, and they won't touch it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was telling my buddy Ryan about it. I saw that at the leaning log last year. It was a little earlier than this, but I think we had 15 or 20 lures out. They wouldn't touch anything. Right, but they'll school on them little dudes. Oh, yeah. they were. It looked like Civil War battle scene out there. They was hitting so much of it, but <laughs> you couldn't get them to touch nothing you threw. You can go to a little speckled purse jig. It looks like a shad, but boy, it's got to be little. Oh, yeah. Because he sure don't want it. About the size of a beetle spin body. Mm. Hard to get a bass fisherman to throw that thing. (laughs) Yeah. I can catch some on a speckled purse jig, but it's not quality. Yeah. I mean, I I caught one or two the other morning, about three and a half. I caught one probably at four pounds, but the rest of them pound and a half jobs on a speckled perch jig. Hmm. But a swimming worm, if you get in where they're at and it's fairly early, they will. There'd be some of them bite that thing if the bait ain't in there. Yeah, that's what I've been but, catching all mine on is a swimming worm. But once the shad get in there, them little shad, he ain't going to bite that thing. Hmm. Yeah. It gets goofy then. Yeah, and that's what, about two weeks of that? Or longer, you can never tell. Yeah, 
Boy, I'm seeing a lot of little old bass about three and a half, four inches long. Mm-hmm. In Stones Canal, you ought to see all of them. That's unbelievable. That's little, I mean, there's just little bass everywhere. These little yearling spawns from the Yeah, spawn. and they're just eating those little shad that's in there. Mm. They're just chewing on them. Good place for them. Yeah. Especially but I don't see any good ones in there. I don't see anything that weighs a pound. Yeah. It's just a bunch of little yearlings running around eating those little bitty shad. Mm. There'll be schools of them, like five and six of them together. Yeah. They just chase them. They're learning. Oh, yeah. Good training ground, all that stuff. It's still in that run. Is it still piled up in there? Oh, yeah. There's garbage everywhere in there. Yeah. A lot of wood sunk down in the bottom of it. Water gets low. I'm still idling all the way out. I ain't going to yeah ain't worth hitting stuff uh, they still a big floater in uh jack's side of the cut it's made it is there? yeah it's made its way down to the uh to the bend where all that debris is so it's made it even more dangerous uh tell us about that uh we didn't talk last week on the podcast but tell us about that 10 that you caught uh i caught um i caught her it was early in the morning i caught her on the top water plug on a popper and uh she was good and healthy i've been looking at some of the fish they haven't been very healthy and um i had a fellow in the grocery store come up to me that fishes quite a bit uh yesterday and was talking to me about uh he's seeing some fish that look kind of poor and i didn't know that's why i was wanting to ask you in the tournament yesterday did you see some that just the better ones didn't look too good or did they look good to you we saw one uh that was dead it was one of the bigger ones i don't know if that was because he hooked her wrong or if she just stressed out or what the deal was but majority of the fish we saw looked pretty healthy okay well that's good yeah i think yeah the, you need you need over that 50 percent mark of them looking good compared to the others you know right I mean, the one I caught uh, close to five in the creek, she didn't have no marks or anything. It was a real healthy fish. Right. I don't worry so much about the creek as I do the river. The river can spawn some off that some years, depending on the water, um, what you call the water quality, a lot of them around six pounds will start looking pretty bad. But it's just due to our water quality. Doesn't, doesn't help that everything in the state runs here. So. right yeah everything i mean when you're hooked to atlanta up there and it's coming downstream that ain't a good thing yeah and that's just one of them I mean, you get atlanta you get macon you get albany you get columbus you get all of this stuff so that's it yeah. and yeah there can be some pretty bad runoff too from the farm fields mm-hmm. they they put their chemicals in and then some of it winds up in the river but, but that's why I was wondering yesterday how the fish were looking. Yeah. And, you know, the better ones, I'm saying four pounds and up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they seem to be affected by it more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they always are. And, and you know, it's also the, uh, when you're on an old reservoir, it's also the, um, it's a cycle. Some years you'll see it, and then you go about two or three years, you won't see any of it, and your fish will actually get bigger you'll have more big bites on top water than you will on other years and this year the top water bite is not easy on seminole mm -mm. no i've noticed that it's not been very good no 
I've maybe only caught four or five on, which I haven't been throwing it because it hadn't been very good, but I hadn't caught that yeah, many I, on it. I caught a lot more fish on the um, top water when they were on the sand and, you know, oh, I yeah. haven't really since. But we had a super spawn. That's 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 one of the good things about it. I mean, we had one of the best spawns on Seminole I've seen in probably about eight years Man, it, this year. It was crazy. I, I still found some on the bed um, probably two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's wild. Yeah, they, um, and I mean, they really spawned. They, um, they stayed in there and they hung tight with them. And another good thing, too, there wasn't that many tournaments pounding on them right at that time. Right. Took the males off. Yeah, we just had those two high school tournaments right at the beginning and then they kind of got a break. Right. And uh, I was surprised how long it lasted, though. I mean, but February um, was a great month on Seminole as far as the weather, uh, the water. Um, they didn't yo-yo the depth any. They didn't pull the plug on it. It stayed pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they waited until uh, March to do all that. Right. <laughs> and February, to me, in February this year, they really got it done. To me, the water was warmer in February than it was in March, really. Oh, yeah. To me, the fishing was better in February as far as catching them. You didn't have to be real slow and all that stuff we dealt with in March. Right. Um, but I guess that's typical early spawn, too. Yeah, you can tell when the later spawn starts around because the fish will shrink. Right. Your males won't be as big. Mm-hmm. They start getting way more finicky. Right. But overall, it doesn't take them long to do it. I mean, we're going to have a, we'll have a superpopulation. I know for the next two years. So, yeah. and if they have another great spawn this next year, there'll be a. We'll start seeing the big ones again. Yeah, I think we're definitely on the uh, the upswing, especially with the gambler weights. And, uh, I mean, it, just a ton of big fish have been caught this year. I think that one you caught makes number four over 10 pounds that I've heard so far this year. And that's just the ones that I've heard about. You know, right. I'm sure there are some that just don't ever get reported. But Yeah, well, there'll be a half a dozen or so that you'll never hear anything about them. Right. So. But a lot of people will holler, they call it a 10 pound fish. And when you really pick one up and put scales on it, and it is a 10 pound fish, it's hard for me to tell where a fish weighs nine and a half or 12. Right. Once they get that big, they're hard looking at them. Right. And I just keep some scales and stick them on there and take a look if I'm wondering. But I caught her. She was in great shape and um, she wasn't flat bellied or anything. She was eating good. But yeah. That's good. I mean, she wasn't out of the water, but a few minutes, and I weighed her and stuck her back in there. Yeah, most people that catch what they think is a 10 is usually like a 7 or 8. and um, Right. You know, I tell people a lot, which I learned in your boat, it's, your arm has to do the, the shake test. If you can hold that fish out and to get your, you know, your long, long arm picture shot and your arm ain't shaking after about 30 seconds, it ain't 10 pounds. I mean, you should be looking at the guy going, hurry up and take this picture. My arm's getting tired. Right. You know, so that the tail should be a certain thickness. Her eyes should be a certain, I mean, it's just a whole, like you were saying, it's a whole different caliber of fish. And then once and you I get fish by myself so much now, and I don't use any GoPros or anything, I really don't get pictures of them, you know? Yeah, we need to get you a GoPro in that boat. I should have took me a, a 
picture of her eyes, though. She was what I call bug-eyed, where she had big old eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. She got. But she was healthy. There was no parasites around her eyes or anything. She was in good shape. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few this year to have uh, have some leeches in their mouth, but I guess that's nothing out of the, out of the ordinary. No, that's no problem. Yeah, I just get my hemostats pulled off and let them go. Have you seen the brim yet? With a where they'll have those um, worms around their eye sockets so bad in there. I hadn't seen that. I haven't seen any this year, but some years I see them where they're really, they've really got them in their eye sockets. You can reach with the point of your hook in one area around that uh, eye socket. You can reach with the point of your hook. That worm will be exposed in there. And you can take a point of a hook and reach down there and hook, just get it, barely get a hold of him and pull up. And it'll be, I'm not sure if it's his tail or his head, but it'll come out and then you can grab the pliers and pull it and you'll see it just unwrapping around that eyeball in that socket and it'll come right out of there. Ooh, I hadn't seen that before. That's, that's pretty nasty. I don't know what kind of parasite that is, but I'd have to look it up, but I'm sure if you look, looked it up cause it's common. I mean, but a brim, you know, he gets in that shallow water and I've seen where they're on bed and the water's in the high eighties. Um, maybe even 90 degrees up there where he's at, you can catch him and uh, he's just about dead when you get him in the boat. Oh. I mean, there's, he's, it's just that hot. Yeah. Well, have you been smelling them all over the place? We, we run down, oh, yeah. we, we run down 75 yesterday and we were just going, whoo, every five minutes you'd get a face full of them. Right. So I'm, I'm assuming, how long should we expect them to bed for? Uh, I have seen them do it through August. Oh, wow. And I have seen them in September, but not usually. Yeah. Well, that's good news for brim fishermen, even though there's really not a lot of them anymore. Right. But, uh, yeah, if you like to brim fish, you know, they're, they're catchable. And there's, there's pretty good sized ones this year, at least the shelf oh, yeah. record that I've seen. You know, I haven't caught as many shell crackers this year, but they're bedding deeper than I'm used to them bedding. Yeah. There's a lot of shell crackers in nine foot of water now. You know, I, I talked to a guy at the ramp. It wasn't shell cracker. It was bluegill, but he was catching them in eight foot bedding. Yep. And I just, that blew my mind. So, wow. Yeah, I've seen, a, I've seen a ton of them in eight, nine foot of water in about the last two or three weeks, um, even with the willow flies on. They're staying in there, and I think even the brim are, uh, they'd rather eat those little shad than they would yeah. chase other things around because they flat come in there. Mm-hmm. They're pretty brim, though. Good size. I mean, they're bigger in your hand. They're, yeah, call that uh, titty brim. You got to lay them up on your titty, take them off. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so I guess our fish, are, our bass are in our summer pattern. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I mean, if somebody's coming uh, to hunt a fish, you know, where would you general generalize? Where would you tell them to go? I would fish. Um, if I was going to fish in the creek, I would actually set in the creek channel, touch any points of grass that's coming out into the channel. And you might want to go with something like a smoke red flake worm, something to kind of imitate um, your shrimp. Yeah. Or... Um, because if there's a shad bite in the creek, it's not going to last long. You'd have to land right on it. 
Mm -hmm. There can be some big top water bites though around where those fish have been feeding on shad, even up in the morning, if you know where it's going on. Yeah, but it's and it kind of on the river. Time. I would stay brim colored, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, June bug, June bug red, uh, watermelon red, and a plastic. And the swimming worm's been doing good, like a paddle tail, vibe tail worm. Yeah, that's the majority. Of all my stuffs come on a swimming worm with June bug. I'm catching a few on crankbait, but. We've got some bad grass this year, what I call bad grass. It's got this uh, slime in it. Mm -hmm. and, and when you hit it, once you turn 60 years old, you're like, you know what? I'm not wasting cast. I'm getting tired. What's going on with grass this year? It is nowhere near what it was last year. Have you figured that out? Like, why? It was, it was our water quality early in the year, which was um, actually up into about the middle of March to the end. You know how the water got muddy again mm -hmm. and it kept flowing when no sunlight can hit it it just doesn't generate right yeah because the only places i'm really finding i'm just talking about the flint but good topped out stuff is up around jacks um in that area maybe fire break a little bit but everywhere else it's like where's all my topped out stuff and and we were on sandbars mm -hmm. around ship island you know, last year you wasn't getting on a sandbar, two foot sandbar. There's grass all over the thing, and now it's just like it was in March. Right. Years ago, they talk about spraying the grass and all. There was a family that lived, it was on the Flint River, close to the East Bank down there. And I always thought it was odd. So they were out there one day, and I pulled over and talked to them. But they took one of those, um, you know, those tent tops like they have at funerals where they drive the stakes in the ground and then they have a little canopy there for people to be underneath of it. Mm -hmm. They'd put one out there in the water about three foot deep and they drove those things down in there and put their top on there and they was sitting out there in lawn chairs and stuff, just sitting out there with their feet in the water, you know. Mm -hmm. And... um I'll never forget that they were spraying chemicals and stuff, trying to kill the grass and fighting it and fighting it. And one day I was over in that area and there was nobody up there and I floated in there close to where that thing was at and I looked. But where that, um, where the bottom was shaded from that tent top up there, there wasn't a stitch of grass growing in there and you could see the exact square where that thing was shading. Ah. Uh. If it could, if it couldn't get light, it just never grew, you know. Yeah. So if the if the water stays real muddy, it, it ain't gonna get photosynthesis. It ain't gonna grow. Right. It it won't do it won't do its thing. And that and that tent taught me because the water was clear that year, and but that tent taught me. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. It was bigger on the east and west side of it, and it was because it would get a little less sunlight on one side of it. And then when the sun would get over on the other direction, there was less sunlight on this side. Mm -hmm. So the east and west side of the tent, there was even less grass going out from it because the shade lasted right, longer. You see what shadow, I'm saying? Yeah, the shadow cast on it. Uh -huh. yeah. And on the uh, north-south sides of it, the grass actually grew right up to where the shade was. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, because you were actually telling me that Probably in March, you said you didn't think we was going to have a lot of grass this year because of the mud. Right. And uh, sure enough, 
because uh, me and Ryan were talking about it, like, when's it going to come? I said, I don't think it's going to come. If it ain't come by now, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't think it would. I mean, what do you, th- what do you think on that? Is it going to continue to? No, when it's got a slow start, it just never does um, build into anything much. It, yeah. It's like the storm when the hurricane comes through over on the uh, north side of the Flint River. I mean, that grass just never did really grow over there again after it tore it out. And then the following year, it started making its comeback. Yeah, we had a, I wrote this down because we had a question we wanted to ask you. Um, how did they make, you told me that the 75 wasn't always there. How did they make that when they were ready? Did the core come in there and just pull stumps or? Uh, yes, they pulled them and they also had a uh, pair of clippers that they would reach way down under the water and cut them off. Okay. And load them on a barge thing they were pulling around. Yeah, because I, I went back and looked at some aerial photographs and, and all out there by the swimming hole on the east bank, that was all wood. And like, right. it's all gone. Did they do the same thing there? Right. Okay. They pulled, they pulled those. They pulled those. Okay, because I think I saw a picture from like 61 and there's so much timber over there. It just blew my mind. We're like, there's not a stitch of it left over there. Um, that explains it. Okay. Yeah. They pull it. Um, now you'll come up on like on the East bank. There's a couple places out there on those sandbars. There are a stomp or two. Mm-hmm. And that's from where they were gigantic Oak trees. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The kind they said, you know, there's nothing we can do with that kind of the old growth stuff right you could tell they'd cut it off with a chainsaw but that was before they started you know letting the water come in mm-hmm. they cut it off with a chainsaw but there was no pulling it when they're big around as the center of your boat they're pretty hard to pull yeah that's right because i guess we always assumed that that run was always there and that just wasn't the case no uh-uh. no they had to um back when they first did it i mean you know there was no runs all the trees were green hanging down on top of the water and people would carry uh, side cutters with them uh, what we call like a hedge trimmer Mm -hmm. and they'd go out there and cut them a path so they could take their boat out through them trees and fish wild and then they'd come back in that path come back up to where they could because they had to build landings oh yeah it would have been an interesting time yeah that's for sure and the fish were small yeah new reservoir yeah, and the fish were small, but there was a ton of them. And as far as I know, Seminole's never been stocked. Yeah, I don't see why they'd have to. I mean, two major no. river systems emptying in it should do it. It's a, they will stock some hybrids, but I think the only ones that have done that in a while has been Florida. What about the specs? Crappy, what are you seeing with that? Three days ago, I think I called 20, 21 specs. Man, what was that on? Jig. Your little same twister. little old jig yeah a little twister tail yep 16 pounds mm. if they're there it'll catch them what was you around grass lines hunting or yeah ditches yeah yeah i've been seeing some about but they were only there early and then it seemed to me like after the sun got up pretty high i stopped back in a place where they were at early and uh, i think i caught like one and uh they just weren't there. I mean, they might have been there, but they weren't They weren't feeding anymore. But they're daylight. They were up on the surface and everything. They were getting willow flies, little shad. And... Well, yeah, we could. Uh, we can't milk you for everything. 
for one episode so we'll uh we'll we'll cut it right there we appreciate you giving us the input there randy sure thing we look forward to having randy on a few more of the ramblings uh tell us what he's seeing out on the lake randy is one of the legendary guides on the lake of over 45 years experience and his daddy mr leon was also a legendary guide and still now in his mid-80s he fishes almost every day randy was also a seven-time winner in the red man tournament trail and has over 500 10 pound bass including one at 14.8 under his belt and majority of those come from lake seminole we will have him on uh, one day to tell us the story of his personal best which is 14.8 or 14.6 something like that but thank you again mr randy we look forward to having you on again all right so let's bring on ryan let's start rambling uh looks like we had the georgia bass nation state classic that was hosted on lake hartwell over the weekend and we had anglers representing both seminole and decatur counties and that tells yep. you what kind of anglers we got down here ryan like both counties touching the lake had anglers going to the state championship that's pretty awesome yep there's a lot of good sticks down here like i said heck even those young kids are in there those two from bainbridge i don't know the ones personally from seminole county but those two from bainbridge take a lot of my money on thursday nighters and west sides they're they're really good <laughs> they're young but they're really really good um bowen and shane finished up um in the classic up there on hartwell this weekend they got fifth place um they had like 29 pounds on two days worth of fish uh, that was largemouth and spotted bass mix um showed you how tight it was though they got fifth with 29 first place was only 32 um so that's two and a half two and three quarter pounds with the ounces in there that separated first and fifth place um, yeah. the boys caught about 15 pounds each day um like i said it was just a tough lake of summer the first weekend of the year after memorial day lake was full hartwell's full of boaters anyways and they said it was tough but they grinded it out and brought home fifth place and that's that's great they had a huge field as always these high school tournaments have tremendously big fields oh yeah well not to mention uh, right before the tournament <clears throat> started they had their uh championship kind of end of the year supper and uh yeah they were awarded uh third place in angler of the year that was uh yeah. bowen and, and uh, shane there and that came with a 750 dollars prize so that's pretty awesome yeah. congratulations to yeah. them uh, the the guys that represented Seminole County, uh, there's some hammers too. They're they're younger. Uh, that's Jonathan Jarvis and Tanner Traywick. That's right. And then yeah, we had yeah, we had two other. Uh, I think they're brothers, Tyler and Caden Goodwin. Uh, they represented Bainbridge High School. So you had Shane Dill and Bowen Brown that were from the Bearcats, and Tyler and Caden Goodwin, and uh, they finished uh, at eleven and a half pounds and. Uh, Jonathan and Tanner had like seven and a half. I think the fishing was pretty tough as it can be up there, but either way, just getting to that uh, show right there is, is a huge accomplishment, especially as a high school angler. Cause there's a lot of hammer high school anglers out there right now. Makes me really jealous. I really wish we had had something like this when I was in high school. I mean, we had a little fishing club, but uh, we didn't have a competitive team or anything like that. That would have been killer. Man, I would have, I said the same thing, which I got a couple boys growing up, and while I don't want them to get older, I am just itching for them to get older, and I hope that they have enough interest to do this, because like you said, I would have loved to have this back in school. Um, like I said, I was on the swim team, played baseball most of my life, and that was all great and dandy, but I was eight up about bass fishing in high school. If we'd had a, uh, a team that 
you could fish on at school. That'd have been awesome. So it is really great to see that for the kids now. Gives a lot of those kids that don't have any interest in playing um, baseball, football, any of that stuff, a chance to still compete at the high school level, still earn scholarships. That seven hundred fifty dollar check that the uh, Bascats won this weekend—that was a scholarship. They have, if you go back and look over the last couple of years, they have stacked up some scholarship money for those two boys. Um, they get big checks all the time. Uh, like I said, that's just going to help continue their education, and that's ultimately what it's all about. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. The uh, I just can't get over the amount of phenomenal anglers just from this area, which, of course, this is a hard lake to fish. And, you know, if, if you're 18 years old and you're doing real well in uh, an area like this, you can do well anywhere. That's my belief, at least. But, I mean, you've got those boys, and then you've got um, Flint Davis, who's 19 now, I believe, and he's already had uh, 25, maybe 26 now, top 10s in pro circuit. <laughs> so, yeah. You know they they breed them good here. That's that's yep. awesome. So, speaking of that, um, so imagine coming out your house and you're kind of tired. You got your coffee in your hand. You walk out to the truck and you hear this bellow come out from under your truck. Well, I'm just gonna turn around and go back in. We're gonna start the day off on a different note. I'm not going. Right. It's gonna be like, <laughs> wait, what was that? Oh, no, I'm going inside. No, so, yeah, so Donaldsonville uh, Police Department. Now, keep in mind, y'all, Donaldsonville is about 17 miles from the lake. And uh, on Friday, they shared a video of an alligator that was under this guy's carport in town. And there's just... I saw that. I think it looked like a pretty good size, maybe six, eight he foot. looked like he was a pretty good-sized gator. It's bigger than I wanted under my car or truck. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. So, you know, it looks like uh, Chief Deputy Hank Bagwell, uh, Investigator Kale King, and Seminole County Code Enforcement Bill McClendon, they were tasked with uh, having to go in there and wrestle that dude out of there. And we've got the video on our Facebook page, so if y'all want to head over there and, and check it out, it's, uh, I don't know if I want to handle that thing. They, they use a good bit of electrical tape and tape him up real good, and I got a good laugh at, about that because they, it, they, uh, they hogtied him like they would a, a unruly prisoner or something. They taped his legs back behind his back and yeah. taped his arms up and probably used that whole roll of electrical tape. And the thing about alligators, they got a really, really powerful close, but they're open. It's just, I mean, it's there, but it's not strong. So you don't yeah, really need it. still that. It's scary. <laughs> you know, you're like, ah, you know. A little bit more than you need won't hurt nothing. That's right. That's right. I just got a good chuckle out of that, because you know oh, yeah, I, that's pretty good. I saw that. I was raised that uh, electric uh, electrical tape is superior to duct tape. That's like superior level redneckery is using <laughs> uh, electrical tape. So if I, we always got fussed at if we used a whole roll of electrical tape on something. I don't be using a whole roll of tape now, and so yeah. I, I just I heard uh, Ron in my head saying that, and that's why I got tickled about all that tape. But yeah, that's our brave boys in blue. Appreciate y'all for. Uh, you know, helping that citizen out there, but you just never know what you're going to get when you, when you go to work as a, as a law enforcement officer. But, uh, I just thought it was interesting. Like how did he get there? I, I, I think somebody brought him up there. I mean, there's a lot of creeks and ponds up there. So this same event actually happened to one of my very good friends. He was my coyote hunting partner. We won the Eastern Chris Smith. He lives nowhere near the lake. He lives out here in, on old Pelham road. 
this is about five years ago. He walked off his back porch. I mean, DNR uh, was involved, Sheriff's Department, everybody. Um, they got one under their porch that was under that was over ten foot long. They had a litter. Of, <laughs> they had a litter of puppies on the porch, and luckily they had an elevated porch. The gator couldn't get upstairs. But when Chris came outside to smoke his morning cigarette and drink his coffee, there's a ten foot alligator under the house just hissing at him. Oh, and they had man. standoff with it for like ten hours before they could finally get someone out there um, that was qualified to do the job. Mm. Um, and he wasn't going anywhere. He was just sitting there looking up at that that kennel full of puppies. So I mean, it you hear about it all the time down here. They'll end up in some strange places. Um, yeah, but I sure don't want one under my porch. Nope, not under my truck either. <laughs> we just gonna go inside. We'll start over tomorrow. Maybe he'll be gone. Yeah, I ain't gonna make it today, boss. Yeah, there's a gator under my truck. And he's like, come on, man, give me a good excuse. No, there's really a gator under my truck. I'm yeah. going to be a little late. Yeah, seriously. Here's the, uh, here's the picture. And, uh, I don't know. Maybe I got to pull my, pull my gun out and I don't know. You can't, I know you can't shoot him. You can't so, shoot him. I don't want to do that. But Not yeah, that's, uh, a dog or something. yeah, that reminds me, uh, apparently. So the, uh, once they tied him all up and all, they called DNR cause you know, they right mm -hmm. down the street here. So DNR coming. I don't know if it was KP or who it was, but they had to come deal with him. I, I assume they just relocated him to the lake with his other 300,000 brothers and sisters here. So, <laughs> Yeah, probably so. Uh, well, yeah, we, we're talking about a dinosaur. Let's talk about another dinosaur. So just to give you all a little backstory, me and Ryan were, we were fishing last week. And we were talking about mudfish, bowfin, grinnell, dogfish, whatever you want to call them. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of hate that goes on with these things for some reason and yeah people don't like them so i started doing a little research after we were talking and i want to learn something about this fish and i wanted to understand what he does why people hate him so much and maybe there's a misconception there but here at seminole a lot of the old timers um let me back up and just tell you this quick story. So I was guiding some folks uh, probably a month ago, and there was a boat probably 200 yards in front of us that was fishing around a dog leg grass line. And we was fishing, and all of a sudden we heard, Dung! and the customer looked at me and said, what was that? And I said, well, about the only thing I can think of is that old-timer caught him a mudfish and just hit him in the head with his seat post. Just didn't make any sense to me or to the customer why he bashed him in the head, but and I think you and I had talked about um, another thing that led to this was somebody mistaking a bowfin for a snakehead, and that was uh, yeah. that was another reason I needed to look into it. So we're gonna tell y'all all about this. Let's just tell you real quick some facts about this thing. And when I learned about this fish, he's actually pretty cool. Um, so he's native to North America. He's the only surviving species, and I'm gonna butcher how to say this, but it's the Halacomorphy. And so a lot of people think that him and the snakehead are cousin and stuff. No, him and the gar are cousin, but he's his own thing. He is the only fish to survive from the early Triassic. So he's like, mm -hmm. you know, literally a dinosaur that was T-Rex's era. He's still here. Uh, he's very similar to a gar. He's a bimodial breather. So that means he can breathe both air and water. So y'all, everybody that bass fishes, you know, when you, pull the bass out of the water his gills lay down you know he can't breathe well 
a bowfin, his gills stick out. It don't matter if he's in or out of the water, and that helps him breathe, plus he's got an extra passage through his gas bladder that allows him, you know, everybody's seen, well, if you fish a lot, you've seen fish come up gulping for air if there's low, you know, maybe minnows in a, a minnow bucket you don't have the aerator on. You've seen them come up gulping. They don't actually really get a lot of air doing that. A bowfin will. Uh, they're just like a bass, y'all. They stalk and ambush. So, so is he really trash if he stalks and ambush, Ryan? Is he trash? No, they're neat to me. Um, don't get me wrong. I don't want to go catch a whole pile of them on Derby Day, but they're they're a neat critter they will yeah. eat something and make a big splash in the water when they eat it yeah so um, I mean, they'll pull hard and they jump and we're talking about guess, stalking and ambushing that sounds like a game fish stalking yeah. ambush they grow you know what the record is it's about 16 pounds that's that's georgia state record uh okay. all tackle igfa is 21.5 28 inch Okay. So another cool thing about them, I found a video on YouTube that shows uh, it's kind of like what I have on my channel showing the, the bass in the bed, but it's a it's a male bowfin garden, a big pot of fry. They've got that one tall fin on the top, that one long dorsal fin. Uh, they move by it's called ribbon fin locomotion. So that whole fin just his fin doesn't move like a bass back and forth, just that top fin moves like an eel it's kind of wild if he wants to go forward it goes forward if you want to go back it goes back so to me that's a pretty cool fish and so there's one coloring of them that kind of look like a snakehead and here's how you tell that they're not they're not snakeheads a snakehead is invasive so go ahead kill everyone you find they will actually destroy an area a bowfin is native to these waters he's meant to be here so the way you can tell it's not by color so like we talked about at the gambler tournament, you can have some that are fluorescent green, some that are black, some that are leopard spot. Um, easy way to tell is look at his anal fin. So a snakehead will have two very long fins, one on top, one on the bottom. They're about the same size. A bow fin does not have that bottom anal fin. He's only got the top dorsal fin. So he's he's got a little anal fin, but it's about two inches wide. The males also have a defined eye spot that's usually surrounded by orange, where the females, it's, it's usually there. Sometimes it's not there, but it's diminished. So it's kind of similar to what a redfish eye spot looks like. And the other way to tell is the upper jaw is longer than the bottom jaw, whereas that's not the same on a snakehead. So that's, that's three ways. But if you find a snakehead in Georgia that you think a snakehead, it's most likely a bowfin. I mean, there's been some that are caught, but Ryan, you ever caught a snakehead? No, there's they're not down here yet. Um, I, be, I believe it was Lanier. There was a documented one on last year, the year before. Yeah. And then somewhere up on the upper Chattahoochee, um, which is scary because if they are in the Chattahoochee, eventually they will be here. But not yet. But if you do have any questions about them, by all means you can find everything you need to on google before you kill a thing at least google it and figure out what it is because there's just no reason to kill the, the mud fish they were considered a nuisance fish even by the early biologists and they thought that the predatory nature was harmful to um to the fish population so that was the ultimate dig and that's what that's the sole thing that i could find about why everybody hates it because i guess the old timers thought that because they were predators 
that they were bad for the environment. Does that make any sense? A bass is the same way. A bass is a predator. It's an apex predator of the water. Well, so is the bowfin. We don't look at a bass that way. He's, he's, you, you know how a bass is. He's, he's heck on some stuff. He will tear up some stuff in a lake as far as forage goes. What's the difference? So I think a lot of people were, were always brought up like with that mentality of he's going to eat the bass out of the area, not physically eat the bass, but he's going to eat their food source and run them off. But see, that's what, that's what we got to break because a bass will eat its own young. A bass like, will eat a bass. So one of the best color lures is a baby bass. Right. So that, that's why we're, we're talking so much about this and why we're bringing this up. Like this, this whole thing about, People always saying um, they're good for nothing and useless fish. Oh, that's crap, Sharon. I mean, that that is... Uh, we're here before the bass. It, you know, if you believe this path, the, the Lord gives dominion over animals. And if you're going to rule over something, that's what definition of dominion is. There's two ways you can rule. You can be a, a tyrant or you can be fair. And I, I tend to go towards the fair side because I personally believe that they wouldn't be here if they didn't have a purpose. They're not invasive. So snakehead, kill them all day. But now that we know something about them, they don't destroy the ecosystem. They have a benefit. There's not that many of them. Truthfully. There's really not that many of them. And the areas that they live in. So here's the interesting thing. The areas that they live in can have almost no oxygen in the water and they can still live there yeah. fine. Whereas a bass or any of these other fish are going to be pushed out of there because there's no oxygen content so right. this is just a little informational campaign here stop killing all these fish and stuff for no reason this is their habitat and i'm sure we'll get some some flack and some people talking smack and stuff about that like uh, you know who cares but oh, well. you know i i like to be a good sportsman and i like to conserve the resource and uh, to me that's just not necessary so um, anyway, into the ramble on that, your definition of ramble on this, but um, it's something that, yeah. you know, sorry to ramble, but it's something that, that me and Ryan have been talking about for a couple weeks, and it's just, it's really unnecessary. It just, it really is something we gotta, we gotta break that. All right, so enough. Let's uh, start talking about the, uh, I don't even want to say it. The, the gambler tournament was over the weekend, and uh, guess what? Oh, no! We suck again. Yeah, we suck again. 13 pounds coming in, but uh, we still had a good time. Lost a couple big fish, but I'm not going to ramble. I'm going to let Ryan tell you because he's a good tournament storyteller. But, yeah, we had the gambler, Ryan. So the gambler event did, in fact, take place this weekend. We had a game plan. We already had 25 pounds in the box before we even left the boat ramp in our head. But, you know, life happened. Curveballs were thrown. Um, audibles were called. We, we showed up with five. We had a couple decent fish, and we had three that, or two that really needed to get, get out. Um, yeah, and you love how the last bite that I get is like a five-pound jack. That like, was a world-class chain pickerel. Do not bash yourself for that because that was a slob of a – if we were in a pickerel tournament, we'd have won. No, you you talk about a, a dang in the face right there is one more fish, one more fish, one more fish. <laughs> just to at least, left. yeah, at least oh, try not is. to go in with our uh, head <laughs> hung down, you know. And up, up, there we go. You got one? Yeah. Jackfish. 
Like <gasps> I even got the net. Yeah, you did. And and there was three people around watching, and I just <laughs> hung my head in shame. And he wouldn't self-release. You know, usually you can get him to come off. Uh, he was you know, pinned right to, through the nose. Dig him out. Yeah. But no, it was a good time. So let's get into some of the information about it. So for those of you that didn't know, the gambler event was a gambler only event. You could only use their soft plastics. Their baits they make are very limited to some jigs, some swim jigs, some that kind of stuff. Um, you could, however, for some reason, use an Alabama rig in the event. I'm assuming that's to fill it up with five gambler swim baits, yeah. uh, little swim easies on the back of it. Um, yeah, and, but, and, and in our defense, we only had, what, three styles of worm with we were very two limited. colors? By the time we committed to fish this thing, we were very limited on what gambler supplies were left around. So we caught them on a 10-inch um, gambler rib ribbon tail. Um, we caught him on a big easy. Um, we caught him on an easy swimmer. Um, and gambler, you might, we we got a new one. Ba -ba -da -ba 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 -ba. The Chris decided the that he needed to adapt, and he got a gambler fat ace and a gambler thirteen inch ribbon tail. He cut each of them in half. One was like a green pumpkin candy. The other one was like a watermelon red. He got some mended, and he stuck it together. And I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I was like, wow. We've reached that point in the day. I'm gonna Four cast ready. Chris catches the biggest fish of our event. About four and a half pounds on it. So I can't say anything <laughs> about it. It worked. So if Gambler, Mr. Chuck, if y'all are looking for a new bait, we have an idea. And it does catch him. I saw it firsthand. Yep. Gambler swimming Cinco. Of course, Cinco's trademark, but swimming ace or whatever you want to call it. But yeah. And that's not the exact uh, good cover there, Ryan. That's not the exact glue that we used. I got a special uh, glue. It's not, it's similar to mend it. But um, man, right. I cut that stuff. Of course, I glued my fingers together a little bit, but it wasn't, what, like four, was five really casts? That thing held up. Like you call a fish on it and kept fishing it the rest of the day. Yeah, I made like like fifty more casts with it before it started falling apart again. But yeah, but yeah, um, that's how desperate. Um, I love gambler stuff, but I just don't have a lot of it. And I just dug in my, you know, I got our, we both have arsenals of baits, and I dug in and found some bulk bulk ribbon tails and um, some bulk aces. That's about all I had. Maybe a, a one cane toad, and what I had two was it two of those mini white white lightnings little, little swim baits. Yeah, we caught a three and a half pounder on one of those, and then the jackfish tore up the other one. So yeah. we were really we were really limited, but we had fun. The gambler products did what they're supposed to do; they caught fish. Um, while we struggled a little bit, Lake Seminole showed out in this event. The oh, yeah. eighty-five boats that showed up Saturday morning to fish, which is a tremendous field for these days for a non-pro event on this lake. Eighty-five boats left out of big gyms. The uh, the weights that came back were just they were Lake Seminole June weights. So we'll start off with a couple facts on it. Um, there were sixteen different teams weighed in an individual big fish. Um, two of those fish were over eight pounds. Seven of those fish were over seven pounds. Wow. And six were over six pounds. Now, granted, there were bags full of fish that size, 
but that's the biggest fish of that bag. So 16, 16 teams had at least one fish over six pounds in there. Um, the winning weight was by Brad and Caleb Reynolds, the local hammers, 26 pounds, 14 ounces. I saw Brad had like a 714 in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, DeVico and Sneeds got second place by the hair of their chin at 26.6. They just did. I mean, half a pound there is all they lost on first. Carter and Travis got third at 24 pounds, five ounces. Matt Beatty and Young got 24 pounds, two ounces to get fourth place. And uh, Merritt and King rounded out a fifth place with 23 pounds and two ounces. Fifth place. And it still took 23 pounds. From what I understand, it took about 20 pounds to break the top 10. Um, and this was in an event using only very limited baits you could use. I mean, truthfully, about eight different styles of plastic baits and then a variety of different colors. Yeah, so, no, no crank baits, no spinner no baits, baits, no buzz baits, baits. Top water plugs. Yeah, none of that. Yeah. You had to pretty much slow down if there's some sort of plastic in this event. Um so like I said, it was a tremendous show out. The lake really showed what she was capable of again this weekend. Um, Gambler threw an awesome event. Mr. Chuck, it, it ran it flawless. It uh, it was perfect. Everybody had a good time. Lots of fish were caught. Everybody was safe. No accidents that I know of. Um, all all went great with the Gambler event. We're already making our plans for next year to do it again. Yeah, and that was a nice thing is uh. Mr. Chuck immediately said, hey, uh, we're going to do flights. So th- this is the way, my opinion now, opinions are like honey holes. Everybody's got one. Um, this is how you should do a tournament out of gyms, flights like this. Because you and I were talking, now I got a slow boat. It's just, that's how it is. It's heavy and it's slow, and it runs tournament load about 40. And that's drinking every drop of fuel it can get to get there. So I, I was concerned about having the whole field piled up behind us being fifth boat. And because he did the flights the way that he did, we had one person behind us. It wasn't dangerous. You didn't have everybody cussing at you and, and wanting to wait for you at the ramp because you cost them a spot and all because you're running. There were multiple other boats that were lower horsepower. Uh, there were no incidents. Mr. Chuck said, hey, do, do us a favor. Don't pass um, on 75. Let's keep it fun. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, you know, I didn't hear of any altercations, any incidents, any anything. And the nice thing, too, is they were concerned about how the fish were released. So after everyone weighed their fish in, they said, hey, please do us a favor and put them out there in the creek. And most tournament trails, they don't care. They just dump them in there. Let's go. So I liked how the tournament was put on. I personally wish there would have actually been a boat check uh, because we did see uh, a boat with spinnerbaits tied on rods. It was right there on the deck for everybody to see. Um, but other than that, you know, apparently there was a polygraph administered to everybody, correct? Right. There were polygraph administered to all the cash winners. And like I said, it, I did expect there to be a boat check. I understand with 85 boats in it and very limited staff, how he was able to get that it was ran more or less on our system. But I am happy to know that the polygraph was done to all the winners. So there was no questions about that. Everyone played fair. And that's what this whole event's about. It's just a fair level playing field. Gets you out of your comfort zone if you like to throw crankbait. Uh, makes everybody pretty much fish relatively the same way with a great brand of baits. Gambler's been around a long time. Thank you all for putting on the free tournament because that's the big thing, especially right now with uh, 
whole brand and economy going on. Um, I don't have any money to throw around gambling. Everything is tied up, which newsflash to everyone, if y'all don't know, tournament fishing is gambling. If you pay money to get a chance to win money, that's gambling. So I don't, you know, and you and I talked about this. Times are tough. Fuel's high. Uh, I run a boat for a living. It's almost $5 a gallon. I don't have $60, $120, $200 a week to just go gamble. It's just not in it for me right now. So for somebody to come and, and host a free tournament, regardless of how we do, it's still free. We still had a good time. We still got to, um, you know, throw some good baits, catch some good fish, make some memories, and then talk about it with our listeners on the podcast. Locally, we have the Tuesday nighter this week, and we have the Thursday nighter this week. Um, Tuesday nighters had a big gym. The Thursday nighters with Seminole Sticks. Clint Brown runs that out of the Bainbridge Boat Basin. It will be Thursday, June 9th. Registration starts about 5 p.m. Blast off is at 6.30. First come, first serve on boat numbers. You do leave in boat numbers, so the earlier you get there, the quicker you get to get to your home before someone else. Fish to a 9.30s, three fish limits, $55 entrance, and that covers your big fish. Um, so payout, um, I believe Clint pays out one and five, one six. Um, it's a good time. Um, so everyone, if you're around the boat base Thursday night, going out and fishes, it does have a cutoff with jack wingets. You can't go farther down the lake than jack wingets or the, or the run. You can't go over into the creek, so it's a lower river to as far north on it as you want to go right um, yeah and that's so it's, uh, it's a good time for the new folks around that don't know jack wingus place that is at ease campground and marina um yep. and that's um that's really not that bad of a cutoff i mean because you can no, fish. that gives you like 20 miles of water yeah. one direction to fish and if you listen to the podcast all the time then you heard a couple episodes about percy mack catching his 11 pounder up that way so you don't necessarily hey, have hey, to come yeah. into the lake <laughs> to catch um those big fish they're up that river too we don't have to talk about Percy Max location because that might be where I'm going Thursday. Well, it's already been blasted out there for everybody to know. I, I, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm going to have to ring him by his neck. I, that's, that's, that's a good spot. I took him fishing uh, Sunday and was, was uh, joking around with him about that. I was like, man, you, uh, I said, everybody's like, oh, Percy, man, you blew the spot up. And, you know, they're, they're kind of semi new to fishing. So he was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. I said, who cares? It's fine. <laughs> They, they're, they're still there will, there will be more big fish there yeah. big fish there forever there will continue to be big fish there it gets fish seven days a week anyways yeah it's, it's not a secret spot. spot on the flint river so no i'm just playing i'm yeah. probably gonna stop in there and run me a buzz bait through them stumps on thursday that's yeah, a good spot see if i can't find her sister speaking of good spot have you stopped an lso lately i have they've uh Man. they've upgraded some stuff again yeah, they've got uh, full meat. They've got yeah, uh, I saw that. They just restocked on all that, and they've got a. Uh, I went in there, I guess, about two weeks ago, and Miss Dawn was. I think every time I'm in there, I see her re merchandising because she's adding stuff, and that's what you want to yep. see in a place. That means it's doing well, and it's listening to its customers, and it's trying to give you a, a uh, every service or every item that you need, whatever. Uh, but she's in there yep. adding um, plumbing and hardware. Because in this area, those ain't familiar with this area, we are about 25 miles from Bainbridge and we're 17 miles from Donaldsonville. We're, we are literally isolated here at the lake, and it's a pain to have You're to go. You're 20 miles from anything, yep. Yeah, and so it's a pain to go um, 
go to the hardware store, all that, because you're talking about, you know, close to 35, 40 mile round trip. So she listened to that and, you know, we got two dollar stores, but that they're just dollar stores, all they are. So she got the good stuff in there. She got oil and one stop shop. But I, and I, you know, and I'm talking about not only hardware, but stuff if your toilet breaks or your pipes bust, stuff that you really need that, you know, usually a um, smaller market's not going to carry. But she's made sure to get it all. And the other thing is she's got, you know, props for your old tricks. She's got Onyx inflatable life jackets. Everything in there is top notch. So you usually hear about a small time fishing store and you don't, you, you don't know what to expect. Your expectations are, eh. no, this place will blow you away. She really listens. She has everything you need in there. She just put a bunch of gambler in there. And now she's got two big dump bins full of, uh, which I don't know if it's two now because I've been talking about it, but. Last time I was in there, she had two big dump bins full of big bite baits that was 30 to 40% off. And these aren't like the Mickey Mouse ones that nobody wants. These are like the pro Senkos, you know, the ones with a O-ring built in them. I mean, they're good ones. And the only reason they're on yeah, clearance they're is because... Baits. Just making room for new stuff. Yeah, she's got new stuff coming down the pipe. And um, Big Bite said, put it on sale. We'll give you some more stuff. That brings us to our... Lake Seminole Outdoors $25 gift card giveaway secret word, which is Seminole. So we had a couple of y'all try to get cute and just make up a secret word on the entry form. And unfortunately, that does not get you entered. So to get officially entered into the contest, you need to go to Lake Seminole Ramblin's Facebook page. Give us a like. Go to Lake Seminole Outdoors Facebook page. Give them a like. Head over to SeminoleFishingReports.com and you'll see the entry form for your name, email, and the secret word, which again is Seminole. So make sure you get entered. The drawing will be June 15th, 2022, and we will do it on our Facebook page. It will be a random drawing. You must be 18 years old to enter, and you must be a legal U.S. resident, and you will redeem your $25 gift card in person at Lake Seminole Outdoors. Um, so again, thank you to the folks at LSO. Thank you all for providing this service to the lake. And uh, thanks for always sharing our stuff and being a big supporter of the Lake Seminole Ramblings. That means a lot. And uh, Ryan, thanks for always coming in and being a good co-host. Because this is a lot of fun for me. And um, we've, we've, we've had phenomenal, uh, which I didn't realize, but we've had phenomenal listening already. You know, people don't start 12 podcasts, 12 episodes in a podcast and have the kind of listeners that we're having. So thank you so much to all our listeners for listening. And uh, we're making efforts to uh, improve every time we do an episode. So hopefully y'all can tell what the audio, audio quality that we have going on. Uh, we're trying to make improvements for y'all. So we appreciate y'all listening to us do this and ramble. Um, uh, we made a post earlier about it today, but if you have anything you want to mention on the podcast, feel free to shoot it to us during the week. We record on Sunday and they'll air Monday morning. If you got a fish catch you want to, you want to talk about something you saw on the lake, like lake news, um, anything related to something that you hear on this podcast, by all means, shoot it to me or Chris and we'll uh, we'll give you a feature on, on the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And so speaking of the features, we have one right here. All right, so I met this gentleman. I featured him last week as well. But right after we did the ramblings, he caught another good fish, and he sent it to me. So, Mr. Charlie Howard, he caught, uh, last week we told you about his 7-2, uh, I believe it was, and he caught a 6.5 on a frog. 
um, on Monday. So right after he, I think he was listening to the rambles. Yeah. And it was on a frog. So, and we had been joking. Well, not joking really, but we had been talking about our frog bite was kind of poor in the areas we had been checking and, uh, bada bing, bada boom. Next day there, his, there's frog fish is. So you can call Mr. Charlie and figure out how he's catching them. Oh yeah. I need to call somebody because I'm, I'm embarrassed after, uh, which it's fine, but you know, I kept trying to tell myself, Chris, you got three baits in this boat you can use, you know, I mean, excuses are like, you know, like I said earlier, excuses are like everything, whatever, but you know, hammers, hammers are going to hammer. So congratulations to everybody. It, it just tells you how healthy this lake is right now that we have that kind of weight coming in. I mean, it's fishing is as good as I've seen it in a long time. The grass is actually not bad this year at all. Yeah. The grass Very is little totally gra- different. People are going to be like, oh, you're crazy. There's grass everywhere. Compared to June, most years, there's not a lot of hydrilla yet. So it's it's fishing great. Come down, get you some, give Chris a call, give us a call, shoot us a message on the website. One way or the other, we'll get you hooked up and catch us some fish, whether it's in our boat or in yours. That's right, brother. Well, Ryan, thanks for coming on, brother. We'll see you next week. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one, Chris. All right, buddy. You've been listening to the Lake Seminole Ramblings Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Taylor. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. Hey, do us a solid. Head over to Apple or Google or Amazon or Audible or Podco or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review. Maybe a five-star, maybe a subscribe, maybe jump over to YouTube, hit subscribe. You know, social media is everywhere. Go to our Facebook and hit like or go to Instagram and hit follow or do whatever you got to do to follow us and give us a hand. It will help us continue this positive growth that we have. Thanks to y'all. So, again, appreciate it. Head over to www.seminolefishingreports.com and on that website you will find a written copy of the fishing report and a PDF format on how to run the lake if you are new to Lake Seminole. And hey, let me ask y'all, if you ain't come see us yet, what you waiting on? If you need a guide, SeminoleGuideService.com. And until next time, I'll see y'all later.